I really enjoyed um, learning about the queen dying on my birthday. I know, right? It was just You're a just really... Like, oh, happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> happy birthday. The queen died. And I'm like, oh, oh shit. Shit. You guys didn't have to go that hard. <laughs> it was funny. We had kind of a stressful work meeting because we had a lot of stuff going on yeah. in our department. They're like, well, does anyone have any other news or updates for us? And someone was like... Oh, I heard the the queen just died, mm. and we didn't ha- really have time. So the guy running the meeting was just like, "Well, we don't have time for that. If anyone has any important updates, wow." <laughs> I mean, we are in America. That is the correct response. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just I just have made the mistake of telling a few people who are older than me that you know British, and they're just like, "Oh, the, I heard the queen died." They come up and talk to me like my nan had died. And I was I'm like, well, so one, my, nan, my nan's been dead for a hot minute. So, like, you know, I'm not I'm, I'm not emotionally scorned. And two, like, I'm an anti-monarchist and uh, I was raised with a lot of, like, Scottish nationalism shit. <laughs> and I'm also aware of the Empire's war crimes. So, like, so, <laughs> you know, I don't, uh, I was kind of just, like, vibing with Irish talk where I'm like, Lizzie's is in a box. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> Sad day for uh, for fans of pantsuits and corgis, but otherwise, uh, it's like, do I feel bad for like the the great grandkids that are six because like their grandma died and that sucks? I'm like, yeah, yeah. suck. That's the only people I feel bad for. I was like, you're under the age of twelve. That's a trauma to deal with. Other than that, <laughs> I don't feel bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, mm. like, well, that happened. Anyways, <laughs> though, fucking, uh, just. Uh, Every every person on TikTok and, and just Twitter just going off and the meme the memes have been good. Yeah. Oh god, the memes are so good. And just people coming out of the woodwork just being like, So did you know about the concentration caps in Kenya? And I was like, I forgot about those. Oh my god. There's a lot. Yeah, Brit did a lot of <laughs> fucked up shit. And I was just like, Yeah, so neat. Rip bitch. <laughs> yeah. Pa- hashtag pack watch. Anyway. <laughs> We have to mm. save the corgis from Prince Andrew. Yes. No, we got to even worse. We got to save them from Pete Buttigieg now. That's true. At least I that's mean, what I read. But if, who knows? If the corgis are owned by Pete Buttigieg, that means we don't have to buy a plane ticket. Mm-hmm. So technically, it's more economically viable for us to go on this rescue mission. <laughs> Plus, again, there's no way he's going to love those dogs. Why? There are so many of them, and he is a piece of shit. Hey, and welcome to Blank Bodies, a Vampire the Masquerade V5 tabletop and horror podcast. I'm Hunter, and as always, I'm joined by... John! This is Sarah. And our lore bot, James. So, uh... We had the fans vote on us doing a deep dive on Clan Malkavian. Malkavian. Which is great. We fucking love it. We're excited. Uh, We realized because of tropes and things within the clan that we need to do a prep episode before that to be like, hey, we should probably talk about mental illness and mental health within like tabletop RPGs for an episode. So that way, one, that is a standard episode on its own for reference for people. Mm -hmm. And two... That the entirety of the Malkavian episode is not like, hey, sorry. For editing Hunter. Sorry, editing Hunter. Uh, I'm going to start with this. It's okay, bitch. <laughs> but yeah, we also do not want the entirety of the Malkavian episode to be like, so schizophrenia is a thing. Yeah, yeah. They're, I was thinking about it because they're my favorite clan. And as much as we do bring up a little bit of that stuff in the other clans, it's hard not to talk about like mental health and its depiction at tabletop. Uh, when you talk about the Malkavians, but I didn't think it would be fair. And also, 
I would be bummed out if we spent the whole time talking about like, well, here's how you should depict this at the table. It's like, we want to actually talk about their history and their vibe and all that like we do with all the other clans. Mm -hmm. So we kind of separated this one out. Yeah, we don't want to like do the cart before the horse thing where, you know, we talk about uh, Malkavians and we're like, and this is how you should portray mental illness and not be a fish mouth because if you talk about Malks, there's a fairly decent chance that that's going to be some player's first thought process is poor depictions of mental illness or taking mental illness and using it as an excuse to just lol so random or just be yeah like vampirefreaks.com uh hot topic gur fan oh my being very edgy i'm crazy i am allowed to massacre everyone in the house because i'm mentally ill yeah. It shouldn't get me a stain. And I'm just like, that's not how that works. So, yeah. And also, mental health affects other clans as well. Other clans can have mental illness. Truth. Wow. I mean, have you seen the Toreadors? Uh, yes. They're very sad deep the, down inside. They're very sad and unmedicated ADHD. Yes. <laughs> that's Their clan bane is literally hyperfixation. <laughs> <Yeah>. Literally. <laughs> oh, my God. Why have I not made that connection? Oh, fuck. Yeah. So for reference on this, um, a lot of the sources that we're going to be talking about is pulling more from the context of video games because there's not a whole lot of research on mental health portrayal in tabletop games, shockingly. It seems like, like it's a discussion that's just now kind of coming into the forefront. I mean, yeah. over the last couple of years, we talked about it on a previous episode, but we had like the um, consent sheets and X cards and that sort of thing. And that's pretty new. So I feel like we're kind of diving into a minutia that's just now being discussed. I was about to say, I didn't think it was relevant to cite the sources for this one because I didn't think it'd come up. But there are, there have been, I think, a few studies on... Um, using role-playing games to help develop uh, younger minds uh, cognitive socializing skills and strengthen their like mental reserves by being like okay you're gonna learn these interpersonal skills and working together yeah there's also been studies that like bigger companies have used like D for as like a team building exercise because it gets a group of people working in like a problem solving way as a unit yeah yeah, yeah remember folks uh, if you play D, if you know how to put it right on your resume it's really good yeah any tabletop game because you're basically doing a group activity involving creative problem solving skills and having to coordinate schedules which fucking employers love so you can just google how to put that on a resume and make it sound professional yeah <laughs> and then you can people will be like oh what do you do and then you get explained this nerdy thing and people are just like oh wow yeah and then just anytime they're like oh that's not work be like i have to organize seven gremlins at once to come around for anywhere from two to six hours all at the same time. Yeah, and yeah, so you put that in the other section of the resume. Anywho. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, the, the sources and studies that we found for this episode are a little bit more video game based, but a lot of video games have role play elements and it just kind of translates over, so that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we are also going to be discussing VTM's use of mental health and the changes within the V5 system, so a little context of what was done previously. And why some of it is good, some of it is bad, and what we're doing now in the new system. So, context for what we're doing. Very generous saying some. Yeah, well, having reread it, we'll get into it later. Some of it in text is not as bad as I remember, but it's also like in practice, it didn't really go great for a lot of people. So, 
Hence why there was the addition changes. Mm-hmm. And kind of like our discussion, we'll get more into it later with, uh, but like with consent sheets and that kind of thing, a lot of this very much comes down to personal opinion and taste too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to give a blanket, this is how to do X, period, kind of answer to this question, I feel like. Yeah, uh, mental health and psychology and all that is a soft, hard science. So everything's a lot of interpretation and there's lots of different schools of thought. And And this is also a not exhaustive list of all the mental health related issues in World of Darkness or Vampire the Masquerade. It is a very big topic and I don't think I could crunch it down into an hour plus discussion in a way that would be respectful to the material. So I didn't do it. Hooray. All right. (laughs) Didn't bother. I was just like, nope. I'm trying my best. Uh, this does set the groundwork, though. If people are interested and do want to have us do a whole episode on, like, derangements or anything. Oh, yeah. We or, can... like, changelings and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. hell, I could actually go and do an episode to be like, how to portray this mental illness in a respectful and understanding way. Yeah. Instead of just, well, help you figure out how schizotypal disease feels. Yeah, and there's a lot of, like, things with the beast that kind of correlate into like borderline personality disorder and schizotypal issues and da, 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 and how to portray that in a way that isn't you being a dick uh, that we can discuss later. <laughs> this is kind of a groundwork episode. So hurrah, uh, content warning. We are going to be talking about mental health, including stereotypes, psychological disorders, trauma, self-harm, suicide, institutionalization, medication, assault, sexual assault, and other violence. If you're not in the mood for this, you can skip it. It's cool. We're not no. mad. No one judges you. It's perfectly fine. And sometimes this stuff might be a little too hard for people. This is this is for entertainment, folks. Like, yeah. Also, we are not doctors or therapists. We are not giving medical advice. No. no. I have uh, downloaded no. files, but I do not have my accreditation. So, yeah, I'm I'm legally a doctor, but um, this doesn't fall under my field of study. So, mm-hmm. what is your field of study again? Metaphysics. Yes. Hell yeah. There there we go. Go. So, if you have a question <laughs> about crystals, you can tag Hunter. Uh, uh, just uh, tag him with hashtag J-O with your bros to recharge your crystals. Hell yeah. You got to do it during a tornado, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, uh, on that note, if you feel like you're having a struggle or an issue, please reach out for help. I'm not promising that we can help you specifically, because again, we are not doctors or trained professionals. But you have, you know, friends and also access to hopefully services in your area. Mm-hmm. Please reach out for that if you need it. I mean, our Discord has helped people with some sads. Not officially medically, but we have picked up a few people on sad days. I know that. Yeah, you know, be good to your bros. That's all we're asking. Mm-hmm. Good to your bros. I love also and the discussion recently also that hose. bros isn't technically now a neo-pronoun. Because <laughs> the way people use it. Good. And I was I like, like that's great. I, I love like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, our sources are, uh, I used uh, Session Zero podcast. There's a lot of good mental health and uh, representation episodes within that series. They do one specifically about mental health representation in games, including talks about mm. Malkavians. So mm, cool. that's cool. Yours Mentally podcast has a specific episode about uh, mental health and gaming, as well as other mental health issues. Always good. Hello, future me on YouTube. Ragnarok's on YouTube. Jacob Geller on YouTube. Uh, the American Psychological Association, World Psychiatry, 20th Anniversary Core Book, and the V5 Core Book. Boom, 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 boom. We are nerds. Ragnarok's is a Dude, fucking, channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ragnarok's and Jacob Geller, great uh, like video game content review, but they both get into mental health in various almost every episode at some point so pretty much click a video it will come up that's and dope. it's some good stuff that's dope hell yeah um Ragnarok's is a little bit more horror gaming and jacob geller tends to do just Whatever. more mainstream gaming in general hmm. so 
Hurrah! Going forth. What the fuck is mental health? It's the health of your brain meats. Actually, not wrong. Uh, Mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, and act. It also helps determine how we handle stress, relate to others, and make choices. This is from mentalhealth.gov from the U.S. government. The government. Government. It's your composure and your resolve. Yes, actually. (laughs) Good job. Nailed it. I mean, technically, if we want to break it down to bar- brass tacks, fucking stats in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's literally your willpower. Yup, that's your brain meets mm-hmm. on on dots. Bink. Brink. Mm-hmm. Uh, major forms of mental health within story and game design. There is games as therapy. So there are games that are designed to teach like coping skills and learning skills to uh, process uh, your own mental health. Wouldn't that potentially mean that, like, uh, kids on bikes is probably kids a good on representation bikes. of that? Possibly. I'm not as schooled in kids on bikes. Well, because they have a weird, like, pass-fail, like, simple, like, thing. It, it feels like it's a very developmental game specifically for younger players. I don't know, so I'm not going to say for certain that it's definitely something we should look into. Yep. And if you have resources and you want to post it in the Discord for folks... I can do that. Please do so. Um... I'm trying to... Oh, fuck. I, I totally forgot to write this in the script. There's a video game that came out, like, a couple of years ago where the main character has, like, anxiety disorders. And part of the game is you do this, like, breathing exercise to calm yourself out of panic attacks with a feather as a hmm. metaphor. And you're trying to, like, get the feather to balance. Uh, it, was, it wasn't Owlboy. It was, like, Celeste. Celeste. Yeah. yeah. Celeste. So that game accounts as a... Uh, game as therapy, technically, because it's actually teaching you a skill to handle a mental health issue. That's cool. Even when you're playing the game, they do have a moment where, because it's analogous for anxiety, the minigame stops working. Because uh, because methods to handle mental crises are not 100% effective, and that's a thing that those that are fully not neurodivergent, like, have, like, what is considered normal. Again, there's no such thing as normal. But normal brains don't get as, like, you can't just be, like, do minigame. Okay, okay, psychosis over. The other form of mental health in story game design is also games as information, which is sharing the experience of mental illness with those who do not possess the same issues, mm-hmm. which is probably the most common thing that we are all used to seeing in games and stories and media, mm-hmm. which is, you know, somebody has a madness, and then we're using creative design and story elements to try to express what it's like from their perspective. Um, good example of that would be um, Hellblade. Yeah. Uh, sinless sacrifice mm, yeah. mm-hmm. if you look up like videos or anything like that about the making of that it's mm-hmm. actually really cool they got a lot of people who um cope with a lot of different mental illnesses and, and uh, problems like that and they brought them in and had mm-hmm. them like play through test uh reels of the game mm-hmm. and say like okay how similar is this to your experience we want to make this authentic and we want to make it respectful and this that and mm-hmm. the other they had a lot of people on their team that just through the whole thing just helped them recreate it nice Hell yeah yeah and there's also games like uh gree i really like where it's like it's very gorgeous like platforming game but the whole game is about you processing uh depression mm, yeah. or grief the game's very french <laughs> in that way where it's like it's gorgeous and then the whole time you're like ah yes as you learn to process and handle your own de- uh, depression and sadness your character literally is more free to move about in the world and make choices cool it's it's really cool it's very very well done um, um have you guys i can't remember the name of the game it's like what was left of uh, what remains of edith finch yes yeah. that's a really good one i also cite that later in the script hell too. yeah hell all yeah. right cool cool <laughs> We play these games. We 
this podcast is full of very mentally well people <laughs> <laughs> that pick normal video games to play, like Call of Duty. Yes. I was yes. about to say, if we want to go with the just, oh, terrible mental break game. The Suffering. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, yeah. First one's better than the second. Yeah, the, se- well, the second one was just the same game. It, it was the same game, just redone, but worse. Yeah. So, uh, mental illness, gaming, and violence. This is kind of the most common crux that you see mental illness dealing with games, because most games use violence as a vehicle for moving the fucking story. Mm-hmm. So, uh, things in media that kind of portray these things. Uh, if we're talking vampire media, the most infamous is Dracula, because you have Renfield and then Dr. Stewart, and this is just this mental health in vampire media goes all the way to the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hurrah! Isn't, Hurrah! Isn't there actually like a real mental disorder named after Renfield now? Yeah, or? Renfield syndrome was named after the novel where, yeah, it's people that have a compulsion to eat bugs and vermin and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Hmm, interesting. I think, yeah, and blood as well, I think. Maybe. I think I, that's I, a I, separate I, one. Yeah, well, I think, no, I think blood it, one was a separate They one. have a tendency to do all of them together. Well, I'll figure it out more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so there's that. Uh, if you want more information, especially on mental health from this time period, there's a really good BBC documentary called Mental, A History of the Madhouse. And they actually interview people that were in institutions in the UK that were left over from this time period. Because a lot mm. of those mental health facilities in the UK carried on well into the 20th century. And I'm just like, that's spooky. I love that. Because, yeah. you know, mental health history is... Not good. We we went through a very awful, terrible dark ages where we're like, we're helping, we're using science, and it's just like, you literally just cut this person's brain the fuck out. Right. Holy oh no. Shit. No, that's that's the compulsion to drink blood now. What? Renfield syndrome. Oh, is it now? Yeah, that's ah. it's literally the nickname for it because it's a uh, clinical vampirism. And it's as Renfield syndrome, and it's literally just the first thing that pops up, just the desire to just fucking drink blood. Okay, yeah, I knew about clinical vampirism through uh, Richard Chase, the serial murderer, who's like, I can have buckets of blood. I don't have enough blood in my body. I need to have more blood. I need more. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty much his thing. The 70s, so people just kind of let you do murders. (laughs) Apparently, that was just the vibe at the time. (laughs) Comes into Uh, the basement. Well, he didn't murder me, so it's fine. (laughs) Comes into the basement with buckets full of blood and like, ah, I see you're doing some preserving. Uh, Yeah. Oh, boy. Oof. Uh, There's also... issues that we're still dealing with today from like the satanic panic of the 80s and 90s we didn't grow up with that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're not products of that yeah, uh, the mazes and monsters mazes and monsters fucking... that movie with fucking tom cruise's first movie it's so bad no tom hanks tom hanks you're right yeah. tom hanks sorry yeah it was tom hanks's first movie and it's just yeah <sighs> man that's that's a portrayal of a tabletop game mental illness issue that is not great yeah i feel like if you're to the point in your tabletop gaming journey where you listen to podcasts about it, you're probably familiar with mazes and monsters, mm-hmm. but it's well, essentially about a person who dis- they believe that people who play D&D would eventually disassociate the real world and the game world. And it's based on a real person who went missing yeah. in a tunnel, but it turned out they just had like a mental disorder and yeah. weren't treated for it properly and had nothing to do with the game. Yeah. But The game just probably exacerbated it a little bit. And also, let's be real, like some... I would assume some of our listeners in like their early to late 20s might not know about Mazes and Monsters because that is like a made for TV, like mid 80s movie. It's real old. No, it's I don't a think meme. I really remember yeah, it. Yeah, it's a little bit of a meme. I know I, some younger like Zoomers might not 
know just because it was a big meme for like us because we're millennials and we were just all like what the fuck is this it's also like the same thing with like riding the bus with my sister like that was such a fucking meme for us that may have just been our house yeah Yeah. well it ended up being an episode of aqua teen hunger force so like it got big enough that it got on adult swim yeah i am the sheriff yeah, it's a 1982 movie. That's yeah. the reason why I'm like, some of the Zoomers are early. Like, it's you have to have, like, because they didn't even, like, re-show that on TV for the no. longest time. And I, I want to note that, like, I don't think the game would have exacerbated their mental illness stuff, just briefly. Because it's like, you can have fantasy games and have delusional disorders and not have those cross necessarily there's some people that do well yeah yeah yeah. i was just saying that like if you are already in a vulnerable state not being medicated and then you have a stimuli there's a chance that that could have been i'm not saying it's the causation factor i'm Mm -hmm. saying it probably didn't help yeah it's just you gotta be overall with like that kind of shit you kind of need to be careful because there's issues like that kid and then there was the the guy in florida who started a cult through vampire the masquerade and then like murdered his girlfriend's parents yeah so it's like uh you gotta be real careful with some of that shit because sometimes people will uh utilize secular things for the nefarious purposes and then people retroactively try to be like ah he was crazy and you're like no this is a narcissist that did it on purpose Mm -hmm. like he He knew what he was doing he was just a shit Mm -hmm. yeah i would say i would avoid that in the same way that like doom didn't cause the columbine shooting i think they played doom but i don't think the two yeah. were related oh yeah no 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 i'm not suggesting that i'm not suggesting that uh that was the cause of what happened i'm saying that that was something that probably springboarded them off but it could have been anything it oh. could have been literally like a movie yeah exactly just any movie or anything just be like Ooh. yeah no no no, for yeah. sure it's just a thing that i don't think you were but it's no. also just because of this episode i wanted to make sure that we were clear on that oh because there's also no. like uh, uh what's his nuts that shot ronald reagan for jane fonda <laughs> yeah exactly like, shit like that just yeah. like oh yeah no i decided to start a cult because kurt cobain i heard his songs i'm like okay They're buddy like I, I i think the mental illness is ancillary to your love of a media mm-hmm. just unfortunately the media kind of matched yeah. in there well mm-hmm. uh yeah, if you want more information on the Satanic Panic and all of that, last podcast has two episode series that I really like, which is uh, Satanic Ritual Abuse, which is talking about, you know, all the kids that were, like, tricked into thinking they were abused by psychiatrists in ways that are just absolutely batshit. Or their parents. Or their parents. And then there's also Mike uh, Warnke, who was a guy that was like, yeah, I, I escaped a satanic cult and then started a whole career and that spun off into people just being like, oh, it's real. This guy used to be in the thing and just fucking absolute lies. Mm. <laughs> that ended up getting like people arrested and going to jail for crimes they did not commit. You could also look up um, Damien Eccles. Yeah. Um, he's done a lot of interviews since he's been out. Even since, I think he did some when he was still in prison. Oh yeah. Um, the West Memphis 3 case. Yeah. yeah looking yeah. into that's also a like, hey, mental health and gaming and satanic panic and just like be aware of the history so when people start saying things because they're probably going to in our media because that should start to ramp back up so just be aware of these things and what has happened and what could happen yeah eh, it's great i love that for us uh there's also the history of werewolves witches and female hysteria in gaming that comes up where you know there's a lot of allegory for just you know just women getting out of hand or bitches women having a crazy bitches be crazy and it's like y'all just don't not understanding like how hormonal cycles mm-hmm. work 
And also the patriarchy trying to combine that into, well, you had a feeling, so therefore you're lesser than me because obviously you can't be rational and we can't let you have a government or autonomy because, you know, your womb went crazy and is wandering around your body and causing your humors to get out of balance. She is a daughter of the moon. Yes. Sorry, my brain just went. Your womb's wandering around your body just picturing a fucking womb just pinballing around on the inside. Just being bing, bing. That was literally the theory for hundreds of years because of religious practices. People were not allowed to do uh, uh, autopsies or any kind of study of the actual bodies, especially female bodies. So just doctors were just fucking guessing. They're just like, eh, it's what Galen said. Fucking Galen, I swear to God. Just, it comes back to just fuck this guy. Fuck him. Just fuck shit up for hundreds of years. I feel like <sighs> your Galen is the same as my Ted Cruz. Just fuck Fuck yeah. the Zodiac Killer. Uh, but yeah, SciShow on YouTube's got a couple of good episodes on the strange but true history of hysteria and where do werewolves come from? Because werewolf stories also tie into mental health issues as well as just like genetic things where you're like, I just have a lot of fucking hair. And back in the day, people were just like, oh, you're ugly? Ugliness equates to bad morals, so therefore you are a monster. The biggest thing is that mentally ill characters tend to be villains or side characters. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes in games and other media where it's like, Oh, this, the king has gone mad, just vaguely mad, and we have to stop him. We're like, what does he have? Like, what's wrong with him? It's, it's, he's, he's mad. He's mad. Yeah, that's it. That's just bad guy, clearly. And then there's like side characters that are just wacky, and you're like, oh, it's fine. It's just crazy Charlie. That's just how he be. It's just crazy Charlie. And just doing wacky things, and there's no examination of them as a person outside of just like, well, he's just, he's wacky. He's oh. eating crayons. Oh, where'd Dave go? Where'd... Oh, Dave is, uh... Dabbing the door attendant. Oh. I guess we can walk in now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, just, just characters being reduced down to just like, well, they're just not well. And that's that's it. That's all they are as a person. That's, that's what their point in the game or the story is. Their mental illness is something that drives the plot or is something to hold the protagonist in some sort of like higher or lower standing. And it's, yeah, it's a lot of it's not great. A lot of it's not great. I'm not going to get into the, all of the theories of that because again that's a whole other fucking episode <sighs> so games utilizing mental illness to justify and alter violence which is where the character tropes kind of get into this huh. so uh you have the problems of you know villains and other people just well they're they're crazy so therefore we are justified in harming them they're yeah. saying they're lesser joker than human syndrome almost yeah like well yeah of course the joker is mad and doing all of these awful terrible things so therefore we have all of the justification to just murk him and it's like yeah yeah they they had an issue of that where um, the Joker escaped to New York and Batman followed him because New York was the Spectre's territory, which Spectre is literally the hand of God. It's pretty much just Ghost Rider and fucking DC. I don't know which one came first. Don't come at me in the comments, guys. But uh, his whole thing was like, you know, Spectre's like, no, I'm going to judge him. He's going to get God's wrath. And Batman was like, no, he is mentally unwell. He has no way to tell what he's doing from right to wrong and TLDR at the end of the comic Spectre finds out yes he is mentally unwell he cannot figure it out and the Joker through God's divine will gets the ability to experience like a moral code and gets sad is like the end of it is he actually is like oh my god I've killed so many people and like under he's just like crying at the end and Batman's like alright let's take you back to Arkham buddy he's just it's like yeah he's like god can't kill him he made him this way like it's like in the uh the uh sandman comics mm-hmm. where uh when he kills corinthian well when he 
deconstructs Corinthians. Sorry for spoilers, anybody who hasn't read this million-year-old comic. Yeah. Um, when he like deconstructs Corinthian and he turns to all the other people at the quote-unquote serial convention and is like, all right, everybody, I'm going to end your dream. You don't get to think that like you're better anymore. You get to realize what you've done and how it's affected everybody. And then mm -hmm. all the serial killers like just wander out into the night and like some of them just shoot themselves in their cars some of them just wander out you know like it's a cool scene Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> that's just like, hey, can you make a moral choice if you literally don't have the facilities to make a moral choice? And then it's like, okay, well, are we gonna judge you as a person based on the fact that you're like, I, you literally can't make another choice based on the very heady philosophical things? But yeah, a lot of games are just like, oh, he's crazy, dead, he's a bad guy, put him in jail, that's it, wow. we're done. We're just we put him in the box. The problem is solved. And I'm like, no, that's not how people work. Please, yeah. no. Please don't do that. It kind of gets worse a lot of the time. Just yeah. Or, you know, you get the uh, fucking uh, games where it's like not even considered a thought process. Like in Borderlands, there's just all of the, the psychos mm. where it's like these people have a lot of trauma and clearly they need untreated. Help. <laughs> like they, they need help. But, you know, you're just mowing them down in the game. <laughs> yeah, that's the sad thing, because that's like when they did the retrospective in two. Was it two or three? three. Yeah, three, when they have the psycho as an actual player character. Like, if you listen to the tapes leading up to him, they're just like, and also the other tapes, because I believe Borderlands, the majority of the psychos came from Doll Corporation, which is pretty much Walmart. The doll tried to do the Pandora planet. They didn't find anything, uh, anything valuable. So they just left all their fucking employees there with no supplies, no command structure, and they all just went, because they had... There was nobody running the asylum. It was just hmm, people left their own devices with a shitload of guns and ammo and the world trying to kill them and no way to get out. That is generally how that escalated to like, well, here's the bandit marauders that have gone very sideways. But, you know, that's kind of understandable because they're on Hell World. Yeah, so that's, that's something to consider in your games. Just being like, well, if you're going to have a bunch of just killable enemies, it's like, why are, you, why are you picking them to be the way they are? And just being like, what does that imply for the morality of your game and you? And yeah, there's also a uh, wacky protagonist commits violence in a stylized way. So, you know, like Deadpool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just a, well, they're allowed to do all these uh, ultra violences because they're crazy and it's just fun and whimsical for us. And you're not sitting there examining being like, this guy really just needs therapy and maybe shouldn't be, like, doing that. <laughs> I feel like pretty much, if you really break it down, almost every superhero is just kind of mentally unwell. Yeah. yeah. And supervillain, yeah. obviously. Just everybody but... needs therapy. <laughs> it's like the real world. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's just like, okay, is mental illness also justifying what would normally be considered abhorrent acts? We're just like, oh no, it's fine that they're doing it. They're not well. And then we also have trauma responses as drama. So yeah, how many games do you write in and play in where, you know, it's a grizzled soldier with PTSD and their flashback is used to, you know, justify them doing some fucking ultra violence because it's cool. Every Lovecraft game ever. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking just the Ever. Punisher. Yeah. Uh, I would also, actually, good example of like that and then like, yeah. oh man, I kind of feel bad. Um, not really, mm -hmm. but a little bit of that was one of the Batman Arkham games mm -hmm. uh, when Scarecrow like doses him. Yeah. And he's like, you go through a level and you feel like it's like he's hallucinating and he's like fighting demons and just like 
utterly destroying these things. And then he gets to the end of this hallway and it like stops and you turn around and it's just all these like inmates in like the jumpsuits that he's just like Beat the fucking shit broken. Probably murdered a couple of them. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, damn, that's that's a bummer. <laughs> I, I will state uh, also the Sinking City has a good version of that. Because yeah. like, as you're like as you go insane. Well, quotes. Yeah. Quotes on insane uh, like monsters start popping up. But the thing is, like, if you like take laudanum, I think it's laudanum in the game, mm-hmm. but it's whatever calm drug. It's probably, probably fucking, laudanum. it's probably laudanum because it's in the 20s. It's just right. super cocaine. <laughs> But uh, once you take that, if you take it and it goes down quick enough, they're just not there. They're nothing. Yeah. It was just like in your head. Like you could have giant tentacle monsters spewing like meat missiles at you. And then it's just, oh, I was blasting a Tommy gun in a, in a fucking abandoned building for nothing. In a vague direction. Hope that didn't hit anybody. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. And, you know, with the... Not only just like the violence, there's also just anxiety disorders and workaholics that, you know, certain things that characters do are actually trauma responses to like fucked up shit that happened way before. And then people are just like, oh, this person's a bitch because they're just, they're at work all the time and they're taking on too much. And why are they being an asshole? And it's like, buddy, this might actually just be a trauma response and you're being a cock to them for like no fucking reason. Mm -hmm. So, you know. People are people, even if they're dicks. <laughs> I will state, surprisingly enough, uh, Dominic Noble literally just put out a video on, oh, oh yeah, on a book series that, you know, seems like it should be trash, but apparently was well-researched. Oh, what was it? The Vampire Academies. Oh, really? Yeah, they bring up a lot of, like, suicidation, self-harm, and it is handled in a good way. Oh. Like, there's a character that has, I believe she has the dominate, but dominate's not common in that, but it really fucks with her, so to keep it in check... It's either the dominate one or the one that heals, but there are literal like ways to ha- uh, to deal with the mental stress is self harm, and then oh, it wow. is addressed. No, no, no. It is it, it is addressed in the book. She has the she has the unwell thought that this will help handle it, and then when the characters find out, they're like, "We need to get you to like not do that. Like that's not good. You need better coping mechanisms than this." It's actually mm-hmm. handled well. Okay, like they good. bring it up, and they're like. Oh, no, no, no. That's the thing that happens, but, like, you're still a human, and we can, like, fucking right. yeah, yeah, yeah. get you to be what like, no. What you're doing is not doing what you think it is. Yeah. And maybe there's a better way to do it, and we care about you as a friend, so we're going to, like, steer you to not. Yeah, I would have found the place for that in the script, but I literally watched that at 2 in the morning last night. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, well, so there's... Cool. Uh, we can share that link in the Discord, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, Definitely. so there's, uh, yeah, sometimes using people's trauma responses as, like, cheap drama tactics in a story is not great. Mm-hmm. Not saying that it can't be part of the story, you just need to think about it. The kind of crux with, like, mental illness in gaming overall turns into the mentally ill cannot process reality and react violently. You know, like the psychos in Borderlands and mm-hmm. various other media and this also happens in world of darkness sometimes where characters are just they've gone too mad they're deranged they're going into a frenzy and then they're reacting violently mm-hmm. which uh the note that i have is from the oh god where is it from i had found note i found a research study from the american psychological association from this year so it's new data hey. all right hey. and the notes on this is in regards to severe mental illness so you know bipolar disorder schizophrenia schizoaffective disorders that kind of shit so mm-hmm. lesser mental illnesses might not get counted in this but a growing body of research shows that when people with serious mental illness commit violent or aggressive acts other factors besides the illness itself are often at play 
says Dr. Kimberly Brown. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah, you're not acting violently necessarily because you have BPD. You have BPD and usually there's some other ancillary thing that's making factor. it worse. Yeah. Yeah. So hurrah. Uh, some of the studies find larger links between violence and mental illness than others, but others find no relationship at all. So the mm-hmm. studies currently are still like, eh, yeah. it's vague. There is some correlation, but it seems to not be causative, but we don't have enough data to prove that currently. So, you know, Yay. hooray, that's where we're at. Uh, tends to be, there's not as many studies on this, and I'm really bummed out because almost every study I found with mental illness and violence is the mentally ill are causing violence and prison rates and da, 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 and there's not as much data on violence done to people with mental illnesses which mm. tends to be the more common problem uh the clo- the best closest data i could find was from 2003 which i'm sorry a while ago yeah from world psychiatry uh criminal victimizations of persons with severe mental never mind i was gonna sneeze oh okay i'll start over criminal victimizations of persons with severe mental illness showed that 8.2 percent were criminally victimized <laughs> showed that 8.2 were criminally victimized over a four-month period, much higher than the annual violence rate of victimization of 3.1% of the general populace. So over double. Uh, almost, almost triple. Th- almost triple. I've seen I've seen people report studies that people with mental illness are like seven times more likely, and sexual assault sometimes is ten times more than the general populace, but I could not find the studies with those data points, so yeah. I didn't cite them. It's just a thing I'd seen recently, and I was like, cool, I'd love to see that study, and then could not fucking find it. No, always the best. So now that we're at a point of understanding con- a little bit of context and good and bad stuff, we're going to get into actually how we can apply this into gaming, and the biggest point of this that I have seen from the research is agency within the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, this can be broken down into active engagement and passive engagement. Uh, passive engagement in mental health uh, media is things like movies, books, illustrations, things that like you're engaging with, but you are kind of in a backseat position with it. And then there's active engagement, which is like video games and role-playing games where you're actively taking part of being in the personalized character that is going through the experience. Mm-hmm. So uh, you are much more likely to take in lessons and get involved into active engagement uh, media uh, as opposed to books and movies and stuff where you're just kind of a viewer looking in on the situation, which both of those have kind of a double-edged swords and positive and negative. So how that works for the narrative you're wanting to tell will really depend on what you're trying to get at. And there's goods and bads on both. Hmm. So eh, that's a, yeah, choose, choose what works best for what you're doing. Just handle it respectively and understand how the media itself is going to actually affect the narrative and how people are going to engage and experience it. Mm. Cool. All Boom. right, moving on. Yep. So locus of control. Uh, this is defined as a person's belief that their life is in their control, whether internal or external factors. Uh, the ability to process what is in or out of your control shows your ability to handle stress. So if you're somebody who's really good at understanding your own locus of control and being able to parse out what you can control and what you can fix and handle and what is out of your control and what you just need to let the fuck go, if the better you are at that skill, the better you tend to be as a person to handle stress. Yeah, that's the the standard mantra. Just give me the strength to accept that what I cannot change. Give me the power to change what I can. Yeah. So if you're engaging in role-playing games and you have characters that don't have a great understanding of locus control, they might, you know, have more anxiety or control issues compared to other characters in stories and games that have a better understanding of this and then are able to be like, okay, I can fix X, Y, and Z. Fucking eight Alpha and Delta over there, I can't fucking do all about, so I'm just gonna let, yep. that, let that happen, I guess. <laughs> just... Mm. It's like, well, I'm going to crack a beer and just kind of hope for the best because I can't do fuck all about it. Right. And 
Yeah. Care needs to be put into how game structures and narratives shape the players and the ST's feelings on control or, and or guilt over PCs and NPCs and interactions. So depending on how you set up a situation or a scenario in a game, uh, that could affect how much control that the ST or the players have in a situation and therefore how much of the guilt or responsibility about a situation is on them. So if you set up a game where you're going to be railroading a lot of shit, uh, that might force players to make decisions where there's only one option for them to interact with something and therefore you set up a situation where there's no way for them not to feel bad about what they've done Mm -hmm. because you've given them no other option. Right. Which, you know, depending on session zero character sheets and uh, narratives you're trying to tell at the time, that can be narratively good or narratively bad and make the game either really tense and exciting and interesting to deal with and people have to process the consequences of their actions or some people are just like, I got forced into something I don't want to do and this is not fun anymore. Mm -hmm. So... I had a uh, game once that did a really good job of that because at least I think they did a decently good job of that. Um, Mm -hmm. You see, we were, it was Mm D&D and Mm -hmm. we were kind of being murder hobos, like just moving around, killing everything we came across. And so the DM was like trying to get us to focus more in on like story and like paying attention to what we're actually doing when we're just murder hoboing. And uh, so he was like, okay, we're going to send you on a quest. There are these monsters that have been stealing crops from our fields. You know, go take care of them for us. Get them out of here. So we go and uh, we get to this like burrow den thing and it starts raining and it's all spooky and like thunder, lightning. Ah, and then suddenly these reptilian hands burst from the ground and start like crawling out of this like flooding den. And we're like, oh shit. And so we just start killing them. And then the uh, DM starts describing how they're like also grabbing children, little little tiny ones of them and trying to like get away from us. And they're obviously scared and only like fighting back because they are like have to defend themselves. And then we realize that it's just like a small like hangout family unit of kobolds. That, you oh, have just that we have just down. started fucking murdering and they've just been stealing from the field because that's the only food they could get a hold of and we're like oh oh no oh no we feel super duper bad we're like you guys got to get out of here like these we're really sorry about what happened like now that we understand we we're gonna do everything we can to get these villagers off of your back and all this that, and the other well then the villagers came and they tried to kill them anyway and then my our mage cast a shatter spell on them and they turned to goop as as happens with shatter yep and then we just didn't go back to that town ever again (laughs) i love the gm was like i want to see you have non-violent empathy well non-violent uh problem solving skills and empathy and then it was just no you just distracted us and made us go oh wait we shouldn't murder everything we should figure out the situation but then when we see the oppressors fuck (laughs) them Visit violence upon them. So if I remember correctly, we did try to talk everybody down. We're like, look, we told them to leave. They're not going to come back. And they're like, no, kill them. And we were like, no. And then they started coming forward anyway. And that's when he. Yeah. And the wizard went, no, that's cute. Cone. (laughs) Yeah. Cone of thunderstruck. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, yeah, for sure. And that kind of that also translates really heavy into World of Darkness because so much of the game is based on humanity and what it means to be a monster. And like, obviously, if you're playing vampire, everybody's kind of a bad guy, but you have to decide like how much of a bad guy you're going to be. So uh, storytellers, you really need to pay attention to how much player agency is going to affect their moral responsibilities. And yeah, perception is reality and all that kind of all that fun, heavy stuff. Mm -hmm. So, woo! 
Yeah, so if you're going to have somebody who's, like, having delusions where they're like, oh my god, there's all these scary monsters, it's like, of course they're going to attack and defend themselves. And then turning that off and then immediately going like, oh no, you killed your touchstone. Damn. Yeah, it's like, uh, just springing that on a player is not cool. It's an Mm -hmm. interesting story to, you know, the drama and all that, but, you know, make sure that people are cool with that before you just spring that level of bullshit on them because it's like well i mean they did kill their touchstone so they're taking negative however many to the role on humanity and da, 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 da. yeah but now you're just punishing players for things that they literally had no say or control in and that's for some people that's a really interesting thing that they like to go through other people that's bullshit and they will rage quit your game yeah yep yeah consent sheets talk to somebody about it first yeah and there's also the fun of treating mental illness as a meter which you know when you're trying to gamify mental health it oftentimes gets turned into bars and stats because that's how we crunch down everything and that's not how brains work. So, yeah, that's always exciting. Uh, the thing I would also express that I always get upset when I see with those meters is they always are just steady fill and I'm just like, you know the fishing game where the bar just keeps like va- rapidly fluctuating? Mm-hmm. I feel that's more of like an accurate meter of like mental stability is it's like, no, it'll rapidly go up and down. Like, there's no fucking just, oh, this stimuli will give you a little bit. It's just like, nope. Like, I, that thing I don't remember, because I haven't been able to play it. If anybody wants to hang out with me so I can finish this game, it's too scary. Oh. Um, Outlast? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's one of the scariest games I've it's ever fucking played. I can only play, like, 15 minutes at a time by myself because oh. it makes me feel like I'm going to have a panic attack. I will. Um, but it, I can't remember if they have a meter, but I remember, like, they do a very good job of doing... What you were kind of talking about with just the atmosphere of the character you're in the first person of like when things start getting scary you can feel like the breath start to speed up and kind of like get ragged and like Mm -hmm. be scared and then when things are like hidden and things are calm you can like and you can like almost feel him calming down i think that's really cool Uh, it also definitely adds to the air of panic when his when he's like Yeah. yeah, you get a similar thing in uh, Darkest Dungeon. I fucking love that game. Yes. But yeah, the, the sanity system in that Weesh. is pretty good. I, I wouldn't say it's the most analogous to real life. Yeah. But, you know, I like that, you know, you go through things that are stressful and they cause trauma things. Mm-hmm. And your characters can do certain activities to de-stress. And then some of that leads to other problems. Like my paladin, that's always just going on like i can't his favorite de-stress is to go to the brothel but i can't let him do that because every time he goes he just fucks off for like four <laughs> or five days. he's just gone yeah, he's just gone. he's just lost in a sea of pussy and just like i can't it's like i need him for this next dungeon crawl where the fuck he go <laughs> too bad two things one we should definitely do a let's play uh well at least stream for the page uh well for the discord people because it'd be cool to just name after the discord mm, users because mm-hmm. you know it's way more interesting when you name those Speaking of using it in like a meter, I'm a big fan of like Ravenloft and Call of Cthulhu and seeing how those systems in those games have evolved over time, mm-hmm. um, I think is a good meter haha, where like things are headed and how those should be better handled. Because like early Call of Cthulhu and early Ravenloft, it's kind of like, oh no, you got this an arbitrary amount of points on this tracker. Time to pick a uh, mental illness out of a hat. Congratulations. You're like now afraid of fire. But um, over time, both systems have changed a little bit. Like the new edition of Ravenloft is closer to a stress system where you're not like, oh, your character hit a point. You're now mentally ill. It's more like, oh, you hit a point. 
you're stressed the fuck out. So the alien system did a great job of that because essentially alien they, isolation. No alien, the role playing game. Oh, okay. Because they um they use stress almost like hunger. So like the more stressed you get, the more uh stress die you have. And when you roll poorly on a stress die, then your character has like a break for a moment, like oh my fucking god, and just starts shooting down the hallway because they're just like they're becoming more and more paranoid that the alien is gonna be there. Yeah. No, that's great oh yeah no the last major sanity game system i ran was actually pathfinder like first edition pathfinder and it was very similar to uh the ravenloft the old ravenloft system but they did a little bit better with the metering i thought on that because your stats for like your barometer for your health is based on your character's charisma score so which i know sounds weird but it was just like a the charisma score counted more as like your ability to process stress hmm, okay because you know it's your, it's your ability to like socially interact with people yeah. is generally what charisma is on a d20 system so the higher your charisma is the more interpersonal skills you have so therefore that meter is higher yeah and i was like oh that's actually kind of neat which is great because i was a charisma caster and i was hey, like oh, cool my wisdom hey. shit i'm glad this is charisma based <laughs> hey, oh. uh yeah and they did have a for our game because the dm homebrewed shit a little bit for that so we were able to uh have if your stress got to a certain level you would pick up uh disorders and we had a system where your disorders would be based on like what actually happened that caused the stress at that point or things from your backstory um because i had a character that just started with mental illnesses that would occasionally uh cause me to have minuses on certain situations and actions or like you know I, they would just get into a stressed fugue state in the middle of combat so i would just lose fucking turns so you know there's ways you can do that uh i would like to state probably a really good portrayal of that in character in media is Adina abernanth in fantasy high mm-hmm. she has anxiety disorder and like spoilers for fantasy high but at the end of it there's a character that addresses it's like no you're not broken you just have you just have a sickness you just need medication the therapy werewolves just like you're not broken you're not a bad person you just need a doctor and like a little your your brain doesn't make the right chemicals so store-bought is fine Uh, but I was also going to say, um, I really like what they've done with the new Call of Cthulhu. Oh, yeah, they've yeah. taken out the randomization of it okay. a little bit. So it's like if you're taking on like a otherworldly fire monster and your uh, sanity meter dips really low, then would be an appropriate time to take like fear of fire or pyromania. Yeah. If you where f- it's like, oh, you're so your character now and. Imp- has seen these otherworldly insanity driven monster that your brain can't comprehend you'd probably have some weird feelings about fire afterwards and it like makes a little more sense or like oh no you just almost were drowned by like the lizard monsters underneath that pub you might you might be a little afraid of water you know deep water where you can't see the bottom might be triggering for your ptsd now Yes. So it's a little more, I would say, realistic than like drawing out of a hat or shuffling the deck of um, derangements derangements and being like, okay, pick one. I was about to say yes, ending that like if you face Migo and you get the dip on that, just be like, you could you could learn to be afraid of open skies or have needle phobia because they're just like flying lobster monsters that suck your bone marrow out with a protuberous well, proboscis. And I'm just like, there's lots of things. It's just yes. probably have your fear come from whatever it is than just, well, you're afraid of clowns now. How did the sky lobsters give me clown fear? I believe it's I called protophobia. Were the sky lobsters mantis shrimp? No. Oof, they're scary. 
I will say um, I'm like that way with, with oceans. I think that oceans are cool. I would love to be able to spend time in them, but I get very nervous every time I do because when I was a small child, I got stung by a jellyfish so bad that they had, an, had to have an ambulance come to the beach. Gross. Mm. It was rough. Oof. And then I've been stung really badly three other times. Yeah. So fuck the ocean sometimes. Yeah, no, I get that. <laughs> uh, I guess on like a slightly personal note, but I'm fine with sharing this is whatever. Yeah, there are certain types of guys that like I don't like being alone with because I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, this is going to end very badly for me. I got to go. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just there's certain dudes where I'm like, oh, this is a predator. I have to leave. So most guys are cool. There's just like 5% of y'all that I'm like, "Mm -mm, no, 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 no. I'm leaving. (laughs) Also, that's the lassophobia. What? Fear of the ocean. Oh, okay, cool. I wouldn't say I have a phobia of it. I just have to like talk myself up a bit. Like, no, it'll be all right. It's a low tier. I know that everything mm -hmm. in there wants me dead. And like even the atmosphere itself in there will kill me. Um, but it's nice to splash around. You're like, I'm yeah. in the shallow bit. <laughs> Which, like, yeah. my feet are on the sand. Splash, splash, splash. Right. Which, I know it might be a randomly off topic, but I think it's fucking weird. YouTube recommended, literally started showing me a guy that has thalassophobia and submechanophobia. They would watch videos of that, and I'm just like, I don't know how the YouTube algorithm got this, but I actually enjoy it, because he's just like, nope, 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 nope. Fuck no. I think he started that channel as a way for him to process his fear, and then it's just become a whole series of him just being like, Mm-mm, I'm not <laughs> processing. This just sucks. <laughs> I get some oh, of the poor su- guy. I get some of the sub mechanophobia stuff because just the videos of the oh yeah, all these spooky things we put in these water park rides that pop up or just there to scare people. I'm like, you do know somebody has to go down there and like fucking wash that and repair that, and you just see this giant fucking animatronic angler fishes and you just have to like scrub it with little with little sponge yeah not a good time but yeah another engagement with mental illness in games is like the level of realism that you're gonna have there's some folks like hunters brought up in the past where they prefer mental illness to be a little bit more stylized and allegorical so it's not as real at the table and therefore unfun Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I definitely prefer, like, I mentioned with the Call of Cthulhu, where it's like, you have seen something so otherworldly and outside of the understanding of a human that no one would understand it, and it's going to have, like, near magical effect on your brain, and may even be actually a magical effect that's driving that quote-unquote derangement. I think that's a little bit easier. It it makes things, I think, a little easier to deal with, and a little less... um, I don't know if depressing is the right word, but like, I don't think the otherworldly beings are going to cause a chemical imbalance from looking at them, but like having it be like a more magical or fantasy thing, I think helps keep that vibe without it being silly. Yeah, it's just the usual process of your brain trying to rationalize something. It's like, oh, the giant fire monster. No, that was just a big fire. It was not a monster. It was a big fire. Your brain going, okay, buddy, calm down. Let's get, let's yeah. give this some, some stuff that we can understand. Yeah, and then going back to uh, games as informative uh, to express a mental illness. Sometimes uh, expressing things not in the literal sense of like the DSM five, like this is technically what this disorder is, and this is the exact medication you would be on, and da, 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 and this mm-hmm. is clinically what you'd be going through. For some people to wrap their brains around another person's experience, you need to kind of deliver in a more emotional presentation uh, to really like connect and be like, ah, I have been through X. 
this story is X, I relate to this, or somebody's like, oh, okay, I can understand this now because I have now had an emotional attachment to this character and I've gone through their experience. Oh, do other people experience it too this way? I now have a point that I can relate to to other people, which is kind of where games like we'd mentioned earlier with Gree and What Remains of Edith Finch, uh, Ragnarok's video brought up the section uh, where there's a guy at the canning uh, place oh. where he's doing that like 10 minute mini game where you're like slapping, you're like slashing off like fish heads while he's also like fantasizing about a different world and dealing with the drudgery of working in a cannery. And I'm just like, that hits me in the service worker mm-hmm. repetitive task bullshit. And you're just like, oh God. And their fantasy world becomes so encompassing that they eventually just decide that living in the reality is not what they want anymore and them uh, offing themselves as kind of a release more than anything else. And it's like, okay, as somebody who has dealt with suicidation, it's like, I understand that. Yup. But it's done in this very, very pretty gorgeous way. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely a theme that you get to in something like changeling. And I think that's why I always say like, that's kind of like the saddest of the world of darkness games no matter how you look at it because it really does there is a really quick parallel between like these fantasy worlds we used to escape like daytime drudgery and like the fae the dreaming the like better more fun version of the world that they like only they can see yeah which sounds great but then there's also like yeah but i also like having a house so therefore you know i have to pay bills and if i don't do that i'm gonna make my reality exponentially worse no go into the woods live in a tree steal people's names (laughs) but yeah there's a game like i played this years ago and i forgot about this game until again the ragnarok's video brought it up cat like the cat lady game Mm-hmm. It was a. It caused a lot of controversy back in like 2012 because the game starts with the main character offing herself, oh. and then the game is her uh, processing her mental illness and trauma while also being a vengeful agent agent for like this deity character that's like, I need you to kill these parasites as part of your mission to like reclaim your life. It's a whole thing, hmm. and the game's weirdly grim, dark, gorgeous in the uh, vein of scary stories to tell in the dark, kind of in that vein of art style. It it looks like it has a play style of like early Silent Hills games. Yeah, it's very like, if you like Silent Hill, this goes in with that. Um, I thought it was more of like a point and click. It's a point and click adventure, but like storyline and style oh, art wise, yeah. it's kind of in that vein. Yeah, because it has like that fixed camera, like kind of yeah. tanky controls. And there's like, there are chunks of stylized gore, but there's also parts of the game where like to get this character to be able to function in the story, they have to go through a day of like making all of the right decisions uh, for themselves to be able to like take a bath and like have a coffee and all this stuff. But if you don't click things correctly, you up the character's stress so much they fail. And if you fail that day, like you don't get the good ending at the end of the game. Hmm. And it's like a really tedious task of like, yeah, sometimes the mental health struggle for your day is getting up and brushing your teeth and like, doing the dishes and yeah, the fact that's cool. yeah. and the fact that it's randomized too like stressors will pop there's i think there's not really a guide it's just like you gotta hope you don't be like oh you accidentally re- that that letter you read was not the letter you thought it was it's a bill letter and you are now stressed yeah just learning like ah oh, fuck i got utilities that'll just make your stress go up yeah. yeah while also dealing with you know the fact that uh one of the villains in the game is like your psychiatrist because hmm. yeah. and it does bring up a good point about how there are people that are abusers that will take advantage of power positions like being a psychiatrist or a preacher or 
you know, all of these positions and how do people in the lower power position as the patient or the congregation member, like, deal with that imbalance of power structure. Interesting. So, yeah, there's a lot of layers to it, but, you know, back in the 2012s, people were just like, oh my god, I can't believe you're talking about suicidation in the game, and you're making it sound cool. And they're like, no, the game does not make it sound cool. Yeah. Her dying in the way that she does does give her superpowers, but the superpower at the end of the day of the game is friendship and coping. <laughs> yeah, Which is really the best superpower. Not actually being the hash slinging slasher. That's not the superpower of the game. Right. Because they also have a character in there that's one nurse that cares about you, but also has like a parallel to your like worry of like nobody cares about me. Mm-hmm. My life sucks. And the thing is, if you don't pay attention to her when you're talking to her, there's a point where she goes. I just need to end it all. And if you've been paying attention, you can just be like, no, I know your hobbies. I know your things. I know your day schedule. She's like, oh, you do listen and care. Interesting. And she just yeah. kind of like steps back. But if, you know, you're a piece of shit and you just went, skip dialogue, skip dialogue, skip dialogue. It's like, she going to die. Yeah. So, you know, and there's some people that the more realistic clinical uh accuracies and having cultural con- or historical and cultural context for mental health care is more important and more engaging them for the game and then there's other people that are more like i would ha- rather have the fantasy emotional connection with this and that's the best way for me to connect with this in the game so both are valid both have their places and this is why session zeros are important hi guys we're back to the consent episode again Yay! hey <laughs> real, real quick question you said gris i'm looking at it i always thought that was pronounced gris um it, it's also french so you don't the- say the s Oh, I didn't know it was French. No, it's okay. Um, oops. Is that's the same people that did um, Transistor and um, and Hades, right? I think so. Yeah, but Gris is the French word for gray. Very cool. Which is why it's the I'm pretty sure it's game. the same studio. Cool. Is it? I don't know. Oh, did it have I... a fucking killer-ass soundtrack? It does have pretty bitchin' soundtrack. It's probably, studio. yeah, because that's... <laughs> you could just play Hades and just be like, this is a radio station that I stab things with. It's great. Yes, but the overall, the biggest point for uh, this and other themings is empathy. That is the biggest point with the mental health uh, discussion in gaming and media and da 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 is does the game inspire empathy and does it have a focus on social skills to show and teach how to handle the said issues and uh, the hello future me videos had some really interesting points about violence being therapeutic so there's inherently having violence along with mental illness isn't inherently wrong but it is the context and what is the violence being used for kind of is more the the nexus point of problem because there's like Hellblade where the characters hack and slashing and fighting things and that's fine that's like part of the characters coming to terms with themselves and things around them because mm-hmm. sometimes you just need to have a rage room and that's okay <laughs> yeah sometimes you need to go in a mosh pit and get punched and punch people I'm like that's okay mm-hmm. but that's a situation where everybody's consenting to be in that right so it is fine There was a really good quote from that video, which was representation is just as much about changing attitudes towards something as it is accurately representing something. Yep. I thought that was a good good note of you don't have to be 100% like, well, actually, this is the wrong drug group for this. So therefore, you're not understanding this. And there's a lot of um, actually, um, actually internet culture with some of this that I'm like, you're getting lost in the in the forest for trees of trying to be a good person. And you're Mm -hmm. now being a bad person. Please stop. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that made sense. Hopefully it did. Yeah. It, yeah, you merge the you merge the uh, allegories, allegories. Yeah, you merge the allegories, but it worked. Yeah, I think, I think you made a post in our quote channel the other day mm-hmm. that I think pretty much sums that up, which was, uh, "Don't let perfection become the enemy of good." Yeah, that. Yeah, 
sometimes you can't be 100% a good person all the time. Like, you fucking physically can't do it. Impossible. That, Impossible. That also might be a good lesson to learn from just playing V5. Yeah. Like, I know we're all pieces of shit and people try to be good, but that's also the thing. So it's like, even if you're like, oh, my character's whole thing is Golconda, I'm like, you're still probably going to be an accidental piece of shit. Still- on the path to good you're probably just it's gonna happen like it, it's gonna you're gonna stumble and fall you can't just be like well i'm just here to get to 10 humanity just be like well you're letting your coterie die i only care about my 10 humanity doesn't sound like a good person motherfucker like, does that actually make you a good person what it what is the meaning of a human soul mm-hmm. is there any ethical consumption under capitalism what is a man no <laughs> what is a man <laughs> yeah uh, welcome to the goth subgenre, guys. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky I didn't do the whole quote. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about derangements from previous editions because mental illness in VTM exists and is a whole fucking clan. They got a whole long friendship. And a whole long friendship. Uh, derangements are behaviors that are created when the mind is confronted or forced to confront intolerable and conflicting feelings such as overwhelming terror or profound guilt. When the mind is faced with impressions or emotions it cannot reconcile, it attempts to ease this inner conflict by stimulating behaviors such as megalomania, bulimia, or hysteria to provide an outlet for the tension and stress that the conflict generates. This is from the 20th anniversary edition of ETM, page 290. So that has some good and bad like mental health things because i'm just like yeah stress does cause people to pick up disorders some of those are not how that works at all yeah so and one of those is not actually a mental illness that's just something we made up because science was garbage for centuries (laughs) so i'm like "Mm, it's that's that's kind of mental illness within vtm in the past it's a very mixed bag of some of it was really really fucking uh progressive for the time period and was very like changing for gaming because it's like wow people hadn't really thought about this it was just hack and slash war gaming until these kind of games got popular with a story focus so wow that's great and then other parts of it was very it was the 90s (laughs) they've got the hysteria yeah and it's like they're still trying to be cool and dark and edgy in a way that i'm like this is not correct in a way that's actually harmful to lots of people, actually. Oh, no. Maybe, maybe don't. Yeah, and I mean, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. No. We also have to remember these games when they first came out. 1992 was 30 years ago. Yeah. There have been such major um, changes in the way we talk and think about mental health and mental illness since mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. that it's like you kind of do have to look at some of these older editions in the lens of when they came out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because we've fully and complete. We're not there yet, but we are getting to the point where we're like, oh, we should start treating the individuals with mental dis- uh, differently abled individuals as if they're just differently abled, not just, oh, you're broken. Just be like, well, one, no, they're just differently abled. Two, almost everyone has it. This is not just a small a small portion of the population, most people have some level. The amount of millennials that are like, oh shit, I have rampant ADHD and a lot of the things I'm doing are trauma responses. Shit. Well, like, 
even like if you look at media even in the 90s compared to now going people were going to see therapists and it was just starting to be a socially acknowledged thing let alone accepted but even i remember back then seeing like sitcoms and other things in gaming they're just like oh you're going to therapy that's either you're a weak person or you're somebody who is rich enough to afford to have somebody to talk to mm. yeah yeah as opposed to like no the motherfucker needs help the, the amount like, of like that's fine you can ask for help there's you're not you're not a broken man because you asked for fucking help it's fine the amount- it's actually pretty cooler that you did yeah it's actually better than you did (laughs) the amount of people that could benefit from just go to therapy for just a bit just just a bit at least try it once or twice because it's probably going to be like oh yeah you have trauma you just didn't know you did Uh, not know right and you're also not a lesser person it's like yeah your brain's wired different and you just need medication Mm -hmm. or a a suntime happy light Mm -hmm. I mean, if it helps, like, just eat some prosciutto, pretend you're Tony Soprano for a day, and just go try it out. (laughs) Go get a prosciutto. Hell yeah. Look, if Tony Soprano can go to therapy, you can too. (laughs) Sorry. It's just the amount of times where I just want to look at people just be like, breathe, drink water. Yeah. Like, the amount of times that that helps, or it's just like, take a second, breathe, drink some water. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, continue on with the way things were with derangements. Uh, events that can cause a player to take a derangement include botching a virtue or willpower roll, mm-hmm. uh, hmm. killing a loved one whilst in a frenzy, being buried alive, having centuries of planning ruined in one moment. These are like direct quotes from the book of events yeah. that could happen that could engage a derangement possibly being picked up. Uh, storytellers and players are to work out what derangements work best for the character for the scene, ones from the book or ones you make up. The chosen derangement should have a stimuli that the ST and the player agree will trigger, quote unquote, the insanity. Again, mixed bag of like, Mm -hmm. some of this is good. Some of this is a little, hmm. I think the first half of that was pretty good. Going through those kinds of things would affect you in a way Mm -hmm. that would possibly change you to your core. Yeah. I mean, killing someone you cared about in a frenzy, waking up and just being like, I just smashed their head against a, you know, a, a kitchen counter for 12 minutes. That's a problem. I'm sad now. Yeah, um, yeah, that's valid. <laughs> yeah, I, I would. I think that that would change you to your core. But I think that just being like, okay, now every time you see marble kitchen counters, you have to make a willpower test or or flee the house. It's like mm. maybe not. <laughs> I was about to say, I think uh, springboarding off that, I think the crux of that is uh, having having mental uh, having trauma affect your character and influence your role play is a good thing. That's a good thing that enhances the story at your table. It helps shine a light on things that we deal with this in this world and people aren't aware of. The part where it becomes bad from old world is when you use it as a punishment. It's yes. like you yeah. should have an ST that's able to just be like, hey, you have a crippling fear. You said that you got a crippling fear of water. Would you like to do something about that? Not be like, willpower test. You failed. Now you need to scream. Just be like, a prompt to be like maybe yeah because that's kind of was my experience a lot with uh, older editions of vampire with derangements was either people would take derangements at character creation to get extra points to start with character building and then either wouldn't role play that out or would role play it out in a way that was very disrespectful and was very like okay you're hamming this up in a way to excuse your shit behavior because you're like well i have this mental illness so therefore i'm allowed to do these things but i picked it a character creation and i'm just like oh that's garbage it's a weird way of it was a weird way of power gaming the system using mental illness which was like I'm going to be an eighth afraid gym. of dogs because I don't think there's going to be very many dogs in our 
our Elysium boardroom game. So then I can take extra creation points. Um, I can get extra merit dots so I can be an eighth gen. Yeah, and it's also you're just choosing them for the points. So you're not really thinking about how they affect your character. Like it could be really interesting to make a Ventru who is like terrified of fucking dogs, but you would have to like put the effort into why, how does that come about? That sort of thing. Instead of just like, well, this gives me enough points to buy one more level of uh, discipline and <laughs> moving on. Yeah. Game with my mental illness in that way is kind of not the best. Like I'm, I'm totally cool with like, yeah, if you want to take an issue as a flaw for character, character development fucking great actually play it the fuck out or mm-hmm. i also dealt with uh, one game where a character had a vampire who had bulimia when they were alive and that is a mental derangement you can just get in the game and they stat that out in the book and i'm like that's weird i've never liked that but the st allowed it and the character would purge blood as a stress reliever and i'm like okay that is interesting but they never did it in a way that like correlated to the character being stressed they would just do it at times that there were dramatic moments for them to do that to get attention on themselves as opposed to the characters going through an actual stressor and this is the way they're reacting and that's something that we as a group could like talk to them about and be like hey are you good like why are you doing this it was just like well i i'm just gonna be very very dramatic so i'm gonna run off and go vomit and it's like that's not how bulimia works Mm -hmm. having dealt with you know growing up as a millennial in the 2000s and the height of the low gene and not potty like the height of the heroin chic thing and being a plus size person i never had an eating disorder but a lot of people around me did at that time and they still do to this day from that shit and i'm just like nobody i know ever did that yeah that's really gross and weird why are you acting like that and why is the st allowing this Mm. yeah so yeah in the list of derangements we're not going to go through that if you want us to we can later but there's just a lot of them and between the various versions of previous editions there's a lot there's probably also the list this list on the wiki so yeah if you go to the white wolf wiki they have a lot of them from the various editions and it's a weird mix of actual disorders that are written out really well with a lot of taste and thought put into them to just made up shit that is Mm -hmm. like not great and is actually harmful to communities that are disenfranchised in a way that i'm like oh that's not good please don't do that Mm. (laughs) Mm. so you know if you want to uh use those as inspiration for things in your v5 game i'm not going to tell you no definitely look into it and run it past your st and the group to make sure like everybody's cool with it before you jump ahead because this shit does not exist in v5 nope nope, at all they drop that shit the closest you have to that is uh clan compulsions Uh, and like, like, uh, compulsions from, you know, failing beast fails and stuff, but that usually is prompted by a issue or a situation and is usually offered as a, the storyteller can be like, Hey, so you botched this role. You can either take a clan compulsion or this. Yep. Also, the uh, big thing about that that I like is that it's not permanent. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I think that it's a lot of the time... It's usually a scene or two. Yeah, a lot of the time I feel like when you had to take, you know, a uh, a derangement, it was like, you went through this stressful moment at Elysium, and now you have this derangement until forever. Yeah, yeah. until and your ST like, feels like telling you it's gone, and I... Yeah, and you could also gain derangements from, like lowering your humanity so yeah. like if you got to a certain level in humanity you're just like well i guess you're just a pyromaniac now mm-hmm. right where where this is like your kind of compulsion is kind of a, a lot of the time they are symptoms of of mental illness mm-hmm. um but it's like you you have to work through it almost mm-hmm. and then as your character works through it they're like okay all right i've stabled myself out things are gonna be all right kind of thing yeah, i was about to say the studies is 100 percent just textbook compulsion like you're compelled to like 
make people corrupt and fucking the Hakata is just OCD. Mm-hmm. It's just, I need to know how to predict death. And I'm like, that's, that's obsessive compulsive disorder like, right Tremere there. is the same way because there's this basic perfectionism. So they mm-hmm. just have to do the same task over and over until they succeed. And we yeah. stated fucking Toreador is just hyperfixation. Yeah, I mean, I think, as you said, having it tied to like your humanity dropping could be interesting when you start getting towards the lower ones. But only if you did it in like appropriate way. Like, oh, you killed too many people. Now you're a pyromaniac. Pretty dumb. But like, if you do get to the point where your humanity is lowered because one of the markers on there is arson and it's like oh you just burnt a building down as you come to terms with the ramifications of what it means to build burn an apartment down you and you process power. it you're like wait a minute i probably just affected the lives of like a hundred people mm-hmm. and i don't care anymore i'm losing touch with humanity and so yeah i have that power over people that could be interesting where your character kind of becomes an arsonist because they their humanity is dropping and that's how they process that but that would be more of a choice than just a oh well that's just basically dropping in humanity is basically just being a sociopath simulator which is why Mm -hmm. i joke vampire is sociopath simulator Mm -hmm. yeah just like how much do you care about other people around you and what that means and as your humanity goes down you just give less of a fuck until you just Give your sheet to the SD. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go, man. Yeah. Uh, you're crazy. Dementation is in previous editions, as well as mental health issues in V5, are closely tied in with the Malkavians, which we'll talk about in the next actual episode. Ba, ba, ba. Future predictions. Oh my God, seeing the future. Ooh. This is what they're supposed to be able to do. Yes. So any wrap-up thoughts on mental health in gaming, TTRPG? Yeah, I, I, th- I have an important one. Yeah. Um, as we were talking about it, we talked about like realism and how that's portrayed. And like you said, some people like if you're going to take a mental derangement or illness or disorder, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, they may want you to like go read the DSM, go find out like the medical facts behind it, play it out properly. Whereas like I would tend to be more comfortable if we added like that fantasy element to kind of separate it from the real world so that you c- don't have to be perfect, but can still get that like the emotional and the story behind it yeah. without... Um, but what I was going to say is you really need to pick one and have yeah, all the mental illness that you deal with in your game follow along those lines because it's a really, I feel like it'd be a really weird vibe if like one person at the table has like very, very bad like OCD and they've learned how that really works and they're playing that, but it's a major story element. And then another character is like, well, I was supernaturally touched by the moon. And so my mood changes depending on the what cycle the moon is when I wake up that day and is very cartoonish and like fantasy about it. Having those two juxtapose each other would feel very off, I feel like. So I, 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 you can probably meet in more of a comfortable middle, but having a tone for that, a singular tone set for that is probably important too, not just individuals. Yeah, which is why session zero. Always important. Always important. Every single time. Yeah, because fucking, you know, you could have people that want to lean more fantasy or more realistic and you can kind of hit a happy tonal middle ground and have those two characters like try to square with each other, like how they're handling their issues and different coping mechanisms they have and, you know, bond over that. And that could just be the foundation of your coterie. Who the fuck knows? Or part of the, you know learning about each other and creating bonds over the course of a chronicle that could be that could be interesting Mm -hmm. but there are also people that are just like i don't want to fucking deal with that this is my day off let me have fun and it's like okay cool yeah just shove that aside as long as everybody agrees and it's just you stick to it and like you you know like you work with the st you can even tell the players like i think it's not unfair to be like hey 
I mean, I'm kind of going to spoil my bonus character because I'm going to bring up an old character I had, which was, um, it is a Malkavian with schizotypal disease. And really his schizotypal is, he believes video games are reality and he's living in a video game. And that's actually the disorder you would have for that if you disassociated from reality and can't go, yeah, no, power rings aren't a thing. I am not affected by this controller. Be like, no, he thinks that. Like, he has that disorder to go, yeah, if I get the power flower, I can run out in the sun. And they're just like, no, buddy, you can't do that. That's not how that works. That's, mm, yeah. You are not infinite if you grab that star-shaped item. You are yeah. not invincible. And there's some people that do that metaphorically. They're just like, if I have all the money, I'm in charge and invincible. And it's like, no, buddy, that's not how that works. That's just called capitalism. <laughs> and the syndicate. But yeah. Uh, did you have any last Um, I was actually thinking about how you've run the... Uh, sorry, I pointed at Sarah. People yes. can't see what I did here. Yeah, this, this is an audio medium. Yes. Um, so uh, I've always liked what you've done, Sarah, with... Um, when the Malkavians we've played in V5 at least, or with, or you have run, I guess, mm -hmm. um, when they are doing their visions and whatnot, how mm -hmm. you've kind of pulled it into whatever it is that they're kind of all about. So for, um, why am I forgetting his name? Oh, He's no. got three of them. The three boy? Yeah. yeah. I always just think of Taryn because that's the one I like the most. But yeah. Um, when, when they were doing it, it was like you, they were starting to work on a math problem and the math problem just got more and more yeah. complex until well, they like kind that, of lost themselves in yeah, it. Yeah. The, that Malkavian, cause I don't want every, cause the, the, the Malkavian network, the web is so fractured that I, I think everybody in the, either like everybody in the clan having the exact same way of having visions where they kind of, that's so Raven stare off into the middle distance is very boring. And I wanted to highlight the fact that this character uh, is a math guy and he has dissociated himself into, he doesn't actually have DID. He just dissociates into these multiple personalities because I find a lot of media portrayals for DID, dissociative identity disorder, to be kind of not accurate or gross or kind of disrespectful and not really understanding of it. So each of the ways that he's like fractured himself into uh, focuses on a different kind of maths. So, and I just was like, okay, cool. I like the idea of using physics math to kind of use that to be a hyper fixation point to potentially quantumly mechanic figure out what different kind of futures would potentially happen through probability mm -hmm. and i'm just like that's kind of fun yeah yeah and then you had another one that was like runes and mm -hmm. and that that i thought was really yeah cool. and there was another malkavian who like was a weed dealer but he just got really into like tarot cards and runes and like the the shaky stick kind of the bones yeah that's rolling bones uh, -huh. uh i've had other malkavians that just like stare into reflective surfaces and then that's how they like talk to somebody but it's i i try to run it very more like a evil dead mm. where they they in their brain think they're like reaching into a mirror puddle and talking to somebody else and they're just like talking in a bathroom mirror that's what everybody else sees yeah i like that so yes yeah, you can you can have fun with it in ways that are expressive but are not disrespectful right at least that's my goal. Uh, yeah, the only kind of note I have uh, is on player consent. And I want to be very clear on this, which is uh, because a lot of mental illness struggles do take away uh, power and control from the person suffering from it. If you want to get into that in games, you really need to make sure you as a player are chill with it and that your ST is chill and you guys have... Uh, uh, 
strategies for being able to express when the scene has become not chill and not be retaliatory or butthurt or weird when somebody's like, okay, this has gotten wonky. I'm not cool. I'm tapping out. Uh And then you can't be like, well, I wrote this thing and it's going to be really cool. Or reverse, if you as a player want to push this in a way that the ST is not comfortable with running, you need to accept that and be like, okay, cool. This is where we're going and then we're going to proceed on. Mm-hmm. right yeah because yeah when you get into those like taking away player autonomy or forcing the st to basically pilot your character in a way it can't get into some dicey awkward fringe <sighs> things where i'm like mm, make sure everybody's cool with this yeah yeah because if everybody is cool with it you can get some really cool stories and gaming and shit out of it but also you know having systems in place like x cards and okay check-ins mm-hmm. make sure that it doesn't get out of hand so yeah game responsibly yay yay, mm-hmm. yay. Nee. so thanks paralyzed for the music nee. yeah thank you yeah the music is good they exist on Bandcamp. go check them out do it do it do it uh we exist on twitter at blank bodies blank underscore bodies uh we do cool stuff on there. Uh, I, I hear we post some tweets every once in a while. Yeah, we mm-hmm. do tweets and polls and uh, interactions with the community. Do it. We have an Instagram. Uh, Hunter posts some dope-ass memes on there, at mm. Blank Bodies Pod. This man has been given audio equipment. Uh, equipment. Yeah, uh-huh. he's been given audio equipment and no supervision. So, you know, it's like an AV kid that's just going ham. going mad with power. I recently figured out how to uh, attach some of my video synthesizers to my regular musical synthesizers. Oh, hell yeah. So it's going to get weird really quick. I like get, this idea. Yes, yeah, so mm-hmm. we're going to get some glitch art. Speaking of glitch art, uh, we, we fixed the TikTok. We're on TikTok at Blank Bodies Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to post when we have episode updates and if you are on the clock app and you want to have us answer gaming questions about vampire. Do it. Hit us up. Hit us up. We'll do it. Um, By us, we mean Sarah. Mostly me. It's me (laughs) on there. Uh, (laughs) We also have a Patreon. Thank you for giving us money to allow us to do this dumbass shit. Yes. Yes. Hey. We love you. Yeah. We do. We have various uh, levels. So the more money you give, the more goodies you get, because that's how capitalism works, unfortunately. But uh, no pressure. If you want to give us money, cool. If not, like we have jobs. It's fine. (laughs) We would Uh, like to not have them, but that is a future plan. That would be neat. We, yeah, we are slowly building towards if we can do this full time. Rad. If not, that's okay. We can pay bills. Uh, If if you contribute to the Patreon enough, I will stop gathering data on the definitely not vampiric host of this podcast. Fuck off. Uh, (laughs) I can breathe. Yeah. Look at us breathing. You do know if you make a rouse check to like rouse the blood, you can fake breathing too. What? No. Uh, yeah. Different Patreon nah. tiers get different goodies, including voting on polls for our weekly move or not weekly monthly movie thingies and like clan episodes. And we're going to be, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying guys. I'm trying to get stuff together to have show notes. I do character illustrations if you give enough money. And then we have a surprise super high tier that is a joke tier please do not give that money unless you can uh we also do an interview series uh we've had several really cool guests including artists for the game books and people that run cons and people that do game development and authors authors if you want to be part of that blank bodies at gmail get up to it yeah if you just do cool music shit we want to hear your cool music 
Yeah. 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 If you make cool music and you tell us that we can use it, we, we will. We might. And we'll share it on all those social things. <laughs> we, we will. We about. will share it. I can't promise you will use it because I don't. I'm not gonna speak for Hunter. He, he doesn't edit. So yeah. I Hunter, don't, yeah. I don't edit. I will tell Hunter, hey, that's cool. You maybe put it in there. And we might be in the works on some future project things. So yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? And if you want us to be involved in your project things, also the email works for that. Yes, that's true. Hey. That's the, yeah, that is the no. truth. That is the truth. Uh, so goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Yes. Uh-huh. Goodbye. See you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Fuck off. <laughs>